Welcome to the Home Service Business Coach Podcast with your host, David Mowerman. You will learn to grow your home service business and transition from being the technician in your business to being the CEO and leading your team to success. Get a front row seat where you will get practical advice from industry experts on how you can level up your home service business. Get ready to take some notes because we're going to jump right into it here. What's going on, everybody? It's Dave Mormon, home service business coach, and I have wrangled in my buddy here, Mr. Tanner Mullen, to the show. Tanner, how are we doing today, my man? Less than highly favored. I love it. What a great response. Better than uh, going good. <laughs> Blessed and highly favored. I love it, man. Oh, well, yeah. Welcome to um, to the show, man. I know we've been wanting to do this for a little bit of time. And uh, before we dive in, I just got to give it up to our listeners or those watching on YouTube. Um, Tanner, everybody, was he was my man to get me actually going on this podcast. He said, man, you've got to get your message out. You got to look at, um, you know, anchor with Spotify and get get going. So Tanner, I got to thank you for that uh, convo back in the day. You're welcome, man. It's my pleasure. I love, you know, I love, I love the, uh, how voice can travel, man. It's pretty neat and it's super accessible, which is, yeah. uh, which is awesome. Totally. Well guys, um, Tanner is in our space and home services. He works with a lot of painters. Um, Tanner, you're the, the contractor coach on Instagram, right? If people want to come find you. Yeah, man. Somehow I raggled in that, uh, that, that, uh, what do they call it? You know, the, the handle. So, uh, that's me. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, tell us a bit of your story, man. You're, you're those watching, you're repping the drip jobs, uh, swag. So I'd love to hear about that, but yeah, tell us kind of, let's go way, way back, man. Like wow. how did you get your start into home services yeah. and, and painting? So tell us crazy, crazy journey. I'd have to take you back to when I was 13 with my father. Um, you know, he was a one man army, probably, uh, related to a lot of the people that you coach and now have successful businesses, you know, just didn't really understand the aspect of business. And I would paint with him, uh, in the summers and really I was the prep guy, but you know, I mean, I learned the game and I saw the reaction that people had after he was done. And that made a really good imprint on me as a young kid. Um, recession hit things got really tough, you know, again, simply because he just didn't have the business skill set to withstand. It was the typical husband and wife thing, right? My mom would, you know, do the business side and, you know, uh, he would just go and paint. So, uh, fast forward, you know, uh, I went off to college, you know, I got a, uh, uh, a degree in, uh, my associate's degree, which is just a two year, you know, whatever. Uh, but during that time I just worked, I was a workhorse, man. I mean, I, I never stopped working. I started as a bus boy at 16, 18. I became a server 20. I was an assistant manager of a restaurant 22. I was a general manager of a restaurant, uh, went into car sales after that. Cause I didn't like the, the, the work-life balance, uh, left car sales. Cause I hated the work-life balance there went into life insurance sales. So I was knocking door to door, making cold calls every day, uh, for survival. Uh, from there, I realized I wanted some structure. You know, I never really had a normal, uh, eight to five, you know, graduated my two-year degree. I got an opportunity to go to UF, uh, which is in, uh, the Gators, uh, which is, uh, uh Gainesville, uh, was going to be a four-year program. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, let me just work and see, if, see what, see what'll happen here. Got into, uh, the banking system started learning loans and I became a loan officer at 23, uh, 24, 
you know, my timeline might be off. I'm moving quick, but anyway, became a loan officer. And then I started seeing people come in and start business accounts, man. And I started being like, man, I can do this. I always wanted to own my own business, dude. I had no clue what I was going to do. Um, come to find out back home, my dad, uh, my mom passed away a couple years prior and my dad was at home and he was going off the rails, man, just had a real strong battle with addiction and depression. And it was real hard because I have a little sister um, and she was at home with him and she'd call me and let me know what's going on. I'm like, I need to do something about this. So I had a really strong why. And I'm thinking, well, how can I accomplish two things that would benefit more than just myself? And anytime I make a decision, you know, if I'm battling a decision back and forth, man, it's always like, what is that? Why? And does it benefit more than me? Because I'm going to need that to push me, you know, and especially when it's scary because quitting that job, dude, David, one of the most scariest decisions I've ever made, man. It was, I was making 80 grand a year. I had full health insurance. I was the top salesperson in the company. They wanted me to manage a branch. You know, I was, I was working my way up the ladder, man. And I was, I'm, I was young, man. I was like, man, this is crazy. So, um, I called my dad. I said, Hey, listen, thinking about doing something crazy. I know you're struggling and I, and I want to see if I can help you out. Let's start a painting business. You know, I'll, I'll sell the jobs, manage the company and let's start your business back up, you know? And, um, so I went all in, David, I went home and I, uh, you know, I went on Fiverr. I got me a logo. I went and took a course and so on and so forth. And that was six years ago. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and from there, I mean, the rest is history, man. There's been a lot of ups and downs, you know, especially working with your dad, him and I no longer work together, but he's doing great. He's actually hit a point of sobriety and he's, right. he's on his own mission. And, um, I still own and operate the painting business full time. We're six years in and, uh, I have 13 awesome employees and I've done a lot of other things. I don't want to go too crazy. Cause I want to, you know, want you to talk too. but that's kind of the gist of how I got in this business, man. And I love it. And I wouldn't change it for anything, man. You are a well-spoken communicator, man. I could just like <laughs> just sit here. I got my water and just here you go. So you know, we started our business around the same time. So if my timeline's right, like 2016 would be the painting startup, right? Ish. 2016. Yeah. 2016 about, yeah. The, the December, 2016, uh, took on a couple jobs from, from some friends and family. And then 2017, man, that was, that was all in, man. That's when I and hit it. What I see online, man, is you guys have done one, you've done a good job structuring the company. I listened to your, your podcast and, and what you put out there. You guys are mostly like residential based uh, painting, right? Inside, outside, or do you do, are you doing yeah. more? So believe it or not, man, I just, I'm not the type of person I take calculated risks, mm -hmm. but I've learned from my mistakes and early on, you know, not knowing the industry. And I'm sure you coach some people on this. I took everything right. Maybe in the pressure washing or cleaning space, how many different things could they clean? I'm sure you tell them, Hey, you probably want to narrow that down a little bit. And I didn't really know better, man. So what I did was anytime anyone needed anything, I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. And it just got so confusing. And we were at places way longer than we should have been. And I couldn't price things right. And my, my team was getting frustrated. And I said, listen, I'm going to make this as easy as possible. We are only doing interior and exterior painting, no staining, no roofs, no, no, no drywall repairs, no popcorn removal, no nothing. We are going to just be specialists. And from there, I've never changed it. I've deviated a little bit and then learned my lesson. And now we just do straight interior and exterior painting, man. And I love it. Like, it's so funny because I come from a painting background as well. I sat down with my team and we made our like hit list of things that you know, painters can mess up, right? And exactly what you just said, like we even took off, you know, baked enamel front doors. We didn't touch a fence because oh. those fail. Anything, we get rain where we are. So anything yep. walked on, we used to say, you know, we'll stain your deck, but we won't guarantee it. Now we just That's don't- That's exactly what I say. We just didn't do it now because <laughs> yeah. it's just like, it looks bad on the brand. So it's like, 
it's amazing how much you can actually niche down. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I brought my painting company exterior. We are literally just doing a lot of wood trim painting. You know, they're yeah. three, they're $2,500 jobs. I can send the crew in and out and yep. they're very easy and very profitable. It's like yeah. you can build a company around staying simple. I call it training your customers. I just train my customers on what I do. You know, I mean, that's it. And you have to have enough confidence, right? To be like, hey, I'm okay with walking away if you're not okay with this, but I'm not going to sit here and compromise my team and our structure and our system for your one job. That's not fair to the whole. Yeah. And uh, I learned that lesson. through Amazing. So tell me, man, because I want to hear about, I want to keep moving on the timeline here. And I know we're on a bit of a time clock here, but I want to hear how you've managed to structure your painting company because you are juggling different balls in the air. So tell me what's oh. your current involvement in that. And then I want to keep hearing what yeah. else you've got your hands in. Cause it's yeah, man, absolutely. Cool. Cause it's exciting because I stumbled across a lot of things through faith and accident. So, you know, in terms of faith, every decision I make is faith-based. It's just belief in myself and my vision and what I'm trying to accomplish, but always keeping in the forefront of my mind who it's impacting. So if I'm impacting others with the decisions that I'm going to make, and it's a benefit to more than just myself, I go dude. And, uh, I look at things that are scary. Um, originally in my business, I was the number one salesperson, right? I never thought I'd be able to give that up. I just told you I came from a sales background. So for me, sales is like brushing my teeth in the morning, man. It's like, I live it. I am sales in my opinion. Like, I mean, that's just who I am. Yeah. Um, I can't help but convey my excitement about my product and my service to people and exchange that for funds. I mean, you can't beat it, right? Yeah. And we're all the best salespeople in our company, but I learned that in the same way, I had to let go of the painting because in the beginning I did do the painting and I was really tied to that. I didn't want to create a bad experience. I wanted to make sure I was paying attention to every interaction and every stroke of a brush. Mm -hmm. I had to let go of the sales. And what's interesting is as we're progressing on this timeline, man, coronavirus hit and we had a young baby. My wife was like, you are not going into people's houses. Yeah. I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> so, yeah. so what I did was, is I rewired our whole marketing campaign to do virtual estimates. This was early on when everyone was just like in a panic and nobody, but I had to keep, I had 10 employees, man. So I had, we, we got to paint, but how are we going to yeah. do this? So what that did was for about three months, we sold as people still wanted their house painted. You learned this. I mean, they wanted mm -hmm. things done. I mean, it was just like they were yeah. in their house and they looked at it for the first time when coronavirus hit. Mm -hmm. So we're busy. And what's interesting, I'm like, people are still buying and I don't have to be there. And dude, a light, a light bulb flicked off in my head. I'm like, how can I optimize this? So as we progressed, I actually found a way, one of my employees, I promoted to be an estimator instead of a salesperson. Now I did try the salesperson route. There wasn't enough margin for me to do it. It was just one of those things where you know, and especially as we get into what I do in terms of software, my software was selling the jobs for them yeah. and I would be paying them commission on something that, you know, they were just watching the bachelor in their living room yeah. and I'm paying 10%. So yeah. I had to figure out a better system. So one of the guys who worked for me for a while, I gave him an opportunity to be both a project manager and an estimator. Now, not a salesperson, an estimator. So he goes, I give him a structure of what questions to ask. He takes pictures for me. And essentially I just price jobs from the office in the same way I used to when all we did was virtual estimates. And because of our reputation, you know, ultimately it's a matter of, do I want premium painting to do it? Or am I going to settle for someone else? Yep. And that's the mindset we have about it. So for me, in terms of my, my day-to-day -day operations, David, it's pretty simple. 
Um, I work about 10% on my painting business. It runs completely without me. I just yeah. oversee operations. I'm a team motivator. I'm the, you know, the CPO. Uh, yeah. I, I really care about the people. I want to know what they're involved in, what their motivations are, what they care about, what, what they want to strive toward. And I try to align the business for them at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a benefit all around. So that's typically what, what I'm, what I'm up to at this time. It's amazing, man. So you're largely in kind of a coaching role with your painting business. You know, you're coaching your your ops manager and you're coaching your um, your estimator, right? And overseeing the pricing. Yeah, I'm just you know I'm letting them utilize their autonomy, you know, and that was something early on that was hard. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you have the right people in place, you do a great job hiring. I'm sure this is what you teach. You uh, and I, I know you teach that because we spoke. Yeah. And you have a pretty Love strong. It, you're a hiring like ninja, man. So for me, it's the same thing. You know, I spent, if I had to look at all the energy that I give out in my business, when it's time to hire, I go all in as if like, that's my only job. Like, dude, I'm a nut for those three days where I need to fill a spot. Um, after that, I got the great hire in, he gets plugged into the system and I'm back to cool, calm and collected, yeah. you know, but during that time, I'm a, I'm, I'm nuts. It's amazing, man. So paintings running, Tell me how drip jobs got started and you've given me a demo for everyone hearing. I'll link it up in the show notes. It is pretty cool that I, I guess I'm amazed twofold, man. I don't like software. That's kind of like, it's a, it's kind of uh, optional. If we use it, like for me, it's gotta be, it's gotta solve a problem. So you want to go use yeah. it. Um, but I'm also secondarily impressed, man you didn't have like a background in this. You just like learned it and grew this software out of nothing. So tell Dude. me to the listener that's like, Oh, Tanner went to software. It's easier. Like, is it easier? Or like, there's so much that goes into yeah, it. Man. Tell us about drip jobs. Yeah. 3.2 GPA. Uh, you know, never went into school for this, you know, just, I am a problem solver as we all are. If you own a business, you said, Hey, there's a problem here. Let me fill the need. Well, for me, I love computers. I just love software. Anytime I see a new software, I try it out and I love solving that problem. And for four years in my business, I never felt satisfied. Like I honestly didn't. I mean, there were so many things I wanted in a software to help me optimize my painting business. Seriously. I mean, it was, it was a matter of number one, when I first started, I bought leads, David. And what I learned was, is when you buy leads and you don't follow up with that lead immediately... I mean, your, your, your percentage of converting that lead to a sale drops dramatically. And through that, I said, well, I have to do something about this. And what I did was, is I wrote in my notes, a nice little text message and an email. And whenever that lead came in, what did I do? I went to that lead, opened up my text message, typed in their phone number. Then I went and copied that message to them. And I, I would, I used to put day one at the top of that message. Then I said, you know what? I'm gonna text him tomorrow, but I don't want it to be the same text message. Yes. So what I did was, is I wrote day two in my notes and I made that the day two text message. And then I did day three and then I did day four email and then I did day five. And eventually what I realized on day seven, I got a message back. They said, Tanner, I'm so sorry. I've been ignoring you. We've been busy. Yeah. Great. When can you come over for an estimate? And I said, aha, I got it. Okay. Cause I used to get frustrated, man. They don't want my work. They, you know, they're, they're tire kickers. I just spent a hundred hours on this lead. So I said, I got it. And then what I did was I took it a step further, David, I utilized a program called Zapier. Yeah. If you're familiar with Zapier, which I'm sure you are, yeah. it's phenomenal. It's like one of the best apps in the, in the internet. I mean, it's great. It just connects everyone. It's the middleman, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did was, is I connected my lead source to a text messaging app. 
And essentially what happens is whenever that lead came in, I connected it to the text messaging app to send that message automatically, dude. And I thought that I had just discovered fire, man. Yeah. I mean, it was phenomenal. You know why? Because there was no gap in between the time I saw the lead and when I sent the message. Yeah. Right then and there, I said, wow, this is powerful. I like this. I'm going to continue to refine. And from there, it came to let me connect an email marketing platform. So when the lead comes in, the email goes out. And then what I started to realize, David, was I was losing track of who was getting these automated messages. So I'm like, goodness gracious, I got to figure out this problem. How do I organize who responded, who's, who booked an appointment, who did I send an estimate to, and then unsubscribe them from these text messages because people were getting the wrong messages, dude. And right. I'm like, this isn't good. So then I created a system called Trade Thrive, which I later wound up selling to people, which was me creating automations within a program called Active Campaign. Right. And this right. program, you familiar with that? Yep, yep. And what I did was, the only reason I liked it was because you can go nuts with automations in there. So what I did was, is I connected the system originally. Like I said, I would connect the lead source to the text message. That was step one. Then I connected in that text message, a link to book an estimate. So when they book the estimate automatically, instead of texting me back, which was another awesome automation, I would just get a message saying I had an appointment. Then the system would trigger deal movement. So it would move that person from the first stage to the second stage. And when that happened, I triggered it to unsubscribe that person from the original messages. So that is how it kind of all started, right? I'm like, how? And really, I mean, I was getting 10 to 15 leads a week. You know, I mean, that was what was sustaining my business. So after a week, you can imagine I got Joe over here. He got a proposal. This person's on the schedule. I still got to follow up with Sally and, and Steve, you know, and it's like just those few people, it's so hard to keep track of. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I said, you know what, David, it's time. So this was during the pandemic, of course, what better time to yeah. invest almost everything you got into a software. I had a conversation with my, my wife, um, had to really just kind of say, Hey, this is it. I think this is going to be good. Let's give it a try. Um, it's the biggest amount of money I've ever spent on anything in my life. I hired a development firm to build the first version of it. Um, and then, you know, a lot of ups and downs since then, but here we are, we have 200 wow. companies using it right now. We just crossed the 200 company mark and, uh, really just, just going to continue to grow and going, man. It's, it's really taken off. I love how it started, man, just with solving the most simple problem of just simple, staying in, like responding, like res lead response, I guess, is where it originally started with a very yeah. uh, short, you know, functionality to message clients, a couple message or prospects. And then it evolved where now this is this whole, it's a whole sales proposal, but also can you schedule like there's an operation side to it too, isn't there? Where a there is, man. And, and we well. took that. And I, well, I said, you know, hold on a second. What happens when we convert that customer to an appointment and we convert that appointment to a sale? Mm -hmm. Do I have to go to another software? No way. We can't do that because then we got to connect it and maybe it doesn't convert right. So I said, we're putting a proposal creation feature in here where we can create a proposal. And what's interesting about that now is that we can create a proposal. We can invoice the customer. Uh, we can, for the deposit, we can schedule their job. Once the job is scheduled, we can move them throughout this pipeline. And what's interesting, Dave, and I'm going to go through them because it's really important. I want yeah. your listeners to hear this. And I don't, I know a lot of your listeners own cleaning companies, but if you own more of a long sales cycle, like roofing, uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, flooring, you know, you're going to identify with these. There's 13 stages 
that a customer will go through from start to finish. Mm -hmm. If you buy leads or if they're a new lead, and a lot of us do, a new lead, number one, a warm lead, which is someone you spoke to, but isn't quite ready for an estimate yet. Maybe they're moving into their house or, you know, whatever, you know, just some sort of gap in between when you speak to them and when you actually get them on the schedule. Then we pre-qualify. We have people that are in the request stage. These people aren't quite ready for an estimate or they are, but you have to pre-qualify them. You have to make sure it's something you're going to go do. Then you have scheduled estimates right there. It's four stages before you even meet someone, yeah. right? Then we have the draft stage. Sometimes it takes us a little while to get quote for material or, you know, so we have to keep a stage just for those people that we're waiting to send it to. Then we have the proposal sent stage, people that we sent proposals to. Then people reject our proposals sometimes. So we want to put them there so we can maybe follow up with them or just make a note to, you know, speak with them again. Then we have the project management side. Okay. So the project management side are people that we've scheduled jobs for people that we're waiting to schedule jobs for, for whatever reason jobs that are in progress and jobs that are complete. Um, and then we do sometimes add one if there's like an insurance uh, time period where someone sure. needs insurance or, you know, HOA approval. So right then and there, man, you know, you wow. might be thinking I lost track of Tanner, right? I don't know what he just said. If you're listening to this, that's why the software is so valuable because I lose track too. I just look at this every day so I can spit them out verbatim. Yeah. But honestly, dude, having it all organized, easy, automated, you can't beat it. It takes it out of your head and into the computer, which is uh, which has been well, a huge benefit. It's amazing, man. So you said a bit of a longer sales cycle. How would you define that? Like a week to make a buying decision or what, what's considered long, would you say? You know, if you go to an estimate and you don't do the job the day of the estimate, I would say that's a long sales cycle. Like in other words, like sometimes HVAC will send a tech to go out and they can schedule the estimate, quote them right there on the spot and do the work. Drip jobs probably wouldn't be a good fit for that because there's communication every step of the way. That's the piece that a lot of people don't really understand. But for me and my business, I believe communication, David, is one of the most important things. And I know you do too. So for example, in drip jobs, not only do we drip out communication to new leads, that's the first part of what I explained, the big problem that we solve. But what happens when we schedule an appointment? Well, we want a drip message to go out, not only when we schedule, but maybe a couple of days after to get them excited. We want to warm up that person. Hey, just so you know, we're super excited to you know do an estimate with you. Take a look at this video of our team, right? And then from there, after that, when we send the proposal, it's carrying on the story, right? Of that specific customer's buying journey. And we send out 30 days worth of drip messages, which is like seven or eight messages to that customer, encouraging them to book with us. Mm -hmm. Maybe on the last day, we put a 5% discount after 30 days, yeah. right? So, so in other words, like there can be communication in every single one of those stages and drip jobs automates that and makes it really easy to do that. Well, man, think about a busy contractor too, just how much money they let slip through the cracks. Oh, like if if you just use this for a follow-up sequence, you'd have your, your, do you want to talk about pricing or is that done more in a sales call? I'm just curious. Like, no, it's, it's, it's right on the front page, man. We have two, we have two pricing okay. models, right? 147 gets you the text messages. 97 gets you just the drip emails, which is still oh, valuable. That's monthly, right? hundred bucks a month. Call it pretty much. So you look at an average, when I had painted, our average job size was about 4,000 bucks for residential. Exactly. So even if you win one job on follow-up, you're getting a, a multiple, multiple return. Like it just seems like I'm trying to always try to think like, what's the no brainer offer. And I'm just like, if you had, if you're not closing on the spot regularly, like why would you not have something like this, Tanner? T tell me that. I mean, you know, I mean, really there's no reason to not have it. Essentially, you're going to either hire somebody to do these things. If I hired an office admin, 
the first thing I would tell them is to organize our customers. That's number one. We've got to organize who is where in the buying cycle first. How many people do we have that have come in as an inquiry? How many people do we have that are on the schedule for an estimate? How many people do we have that we still need to send a quote to? How many people do we have that you know, we've sent a quote to, but haven't responded to us. I would put this office admin to do these things off the bat. She'd be in there for a week trying to figure it out because she would need to ask me questions or my team. It would be an absolute nightmare. Then the second thing I would tell her is, okay, when a new lead comes in, I would love for you to follow up with that customer. I need you to send them a text message an email and make a phone call and then put a note in that you did it. Right. (laughs) You know, so that's one lead. Right. So then I would say, okay, well, we sent quotes to 40 people in the last month. I'd love for you to reach out to them and just follow up to see if they had any questions. Okay. Everything that I just described, and I only described a few things is done automatically with strip jobs. Wow. 100% automatic. I, I just thought you'd say it's more per month. Like I'm just trying to think through it. I'm like, I guess answer this one, man, for those on other CRMs, how does drip jobs, how, how is it different? Or like, obviously already yeah. price point sounds like it's less on drip jobs than a lot. I mean, by time you add in all your 10 users and pay yeah. for the different add-ons, it starts to add here's, up. So. Here, yeah. So the difference is like, here's the, here's the long-term play for me is first of all, we're bootstrapped. And if you don't know what that term means, it means that it's self-funded. A lot of these software companies that have big prices, they have a lot of investors. Those investors put heavy demand on the team to increase the bottom line. Obviously the easiest way, look at your Netflix subscription, you know, the easiest way is to bump up that price. Right. So for me, we don't need it. I mean, we're profitable day one, uh, according to me, unless I pay myself back, but I don't care. I just, I'm so mission driven with this, that to me, the price is what it is. It is $50 per user. Now that's where we differ because right now we're just not ready to handle crew members. And that's a big ask for us, but we have something really special in the works for that right now. It's for management team It's for your office it's for your salespeople and your project managers. Those are $50 a person. So in terms of the value what I love about this is if you have two salespeople, they have two separate pipelines. The communication comes from that salesperson. Mm-hmm. So that's the interesting thing is the drip messages recognize which salesperson it is that went out to do the quote. And then it sends the communication on behalf of that salesperson. Our goal, David, is to make sure that this doesn't feel automated. Like we don't want customers thinking, oh, it's an automated message. No, like the way they're written is like, you think that the guy actually typed them up yeah. and that's how, that's what we want. We want people to actually feel guilty if they don't respond. That's yeah. the goal. Yeah, that's amazing. So tell me who the avatar is for this. Like you mentioned someone who's not closing on the spot, but can you tell like you've worked with 200 companies now, incredible, uh, I guess twofold. I want to hear who's the avatar and then like long-term and I want to hear where your heart is for the mission, where, where drip jobs goes in the next few years. Uh, yeah. I mean, avatar and, and definitely close on the spot. I, I didn't, I didn't say you can't have it where you close on the spot. You just can't do the work the same day. Right. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Yeah, so um, yeah, he's like, you know, grabbing the tools after he does a nice presentation, the on the spot sales feature on an iPad is insane. I mean, it looks beautiful. You can upload pictures, you can annotate the photos and, uh, you know, and look, my goal wasn't to come on here and just blast drip jobs. And I, and and I want people to hear that. This isn't a sales pitch at all. I just want you to know that like the mission behind this is the fact that you're gonna have to do these things. Like if you're not doing them, you're missing out. And if you are doing them, you're wasting your time. So give it to something else. And that's what I'm really trying to do is like, how can I save people time? Funny story. I had a guy 
His name's Chris. He's one of our users. And he met me down in Orlando at the PCA Expo. Mm -hmm. And it's, it was in Orlando. So he went to Disneyland with his kids. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, he's like, Tanner, I have to tell you this. So, you know, I use strip jobs. I said, yeah. He's like, I was at Disney. I was about to go on a ride and two leads came in at the same time. He's like, before drip jobs, I would have had to step away from that ride. And literally he said it was like right before he got in to the ride and he was waiting in line for an hour. He's like, I'd probably walk off to the side and my daughter would be walking in the line by herself. And I'd be frantically trying to call these leads, mm -hmm. trying to get them on the schedule because I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity. It was $200. It was more than my tickets to Disney. Mm -hmm. And he said, Tanner, within 30 seconds, both of them booked appointments. I got the notification on my phone and I went right on the ride with my daughter. And he's like, dude, I'll never get that time back. And because of the software, yeah. like I say that time, like dude, that, that's gotta, that's gotta make you feel pretty amazing. Give back. Oh, like, bro. This has solved a huge problem. I lived it too though. So like, for me, it's like, it was first out of like, let me solve this problem for myself. And then it became I got to share this with as many people as possible. Yeah. This wasn't about like, oh, I'm going to make a hundred million. Like I could care less, dude. Like really, I don't care. I'm more concerned about how many people can I impact. And this is a fun game, by the way, because if people really love your software, dude, they, they have no problem telling you and like sharing ideas and it's fun. So not only did we have that, but we had the pressure to make it good. Like I am not the person I did this in my painting business, David. If our quality wasn't there, I can't sell it, dude. That's part of being a, a really like all in salesperson is like, you're authentic. You're not fake. You can't put it out there unless it's perfect and not necessarily like actually perfect, but like the absolute best you can do with the resources that you have to me is the identity. Like, that's what I believe perfection is in, in that regard. So for me, like in my painting business, there were times, David, we didn't have the right people in place. We didn't have the right process in place. We didn't have the right system in place. And I had to make very, very tough decisions letting people go, changing the way we did things, changing the niche that we focused on, changing our customers, changing our marketing to align the sale with the production. And that is what I do naturally with drip jobs. There's times where like we had bugs and issues and like, like it was crazy, but I put my head down. I had to be resourceful and create a product that I could actually sit here on a podcast and be excited about, yeah. you know, it's like, I don't, I don't want to be that guy that has a bad product that hurts your business. You know, that's a really yeah. risky game to play, yeah. you know? And, uh, I err on the side of like being safe when it comes to that. You know, yeah. we don't try to do too much. We do the bare minimum and surprise people with cool features as we go. No, man, it's amazing. So who listeners here, I mean, do you see trends for like, hey, generally the contractor will have this many employees or this much revenue or like do you, I, I imagine you see a bit yeah. of it. When I, kind of you know, when, I, when I started it, I wanted, you know, Joe who has no employees to thrive on it. And I wanted Sam with, you know, 20 employees to thrive on it. And the, the cool thing is, here's a, here's a big issue with a lot of softwares. You'll start in a software and you'll get so comfortable with it. And then you wind up outgrowing it. And it's really hard to, to, you know, remove the roots and replant. And it's like, even if you're not ready for it, it's kind of like, here's an example. We're building a house. This house is way too big for me. Like, but it has everything that we're going to want when we have more kids, you know? And it's like, that's the mindset is I'm growing into that house, right? Like, you know, that's the goal. You have to. Yeah. yeah, I have to, right? I mean, that's the goal, you know? So for me, it's like in the same way, like with software and things in your business, grow into it, make the investment early and then force yourself to get to a level where you're efficiently operating within that, that spectrum. And I think like with software, drip jobs can really be great for the bigger companies and also for the smaller companies. You know, it doesn't really matter. It's just a matter of you willing to grow into it. That's all. 
I love that mindset, man. I was having this chat with uh, someone we're working with in the in my coaching program. We're saying, you know, speak the language of the person you want to become. And I was just like, you know, words love are that. very powerful. And I'm just like, man, if you want to get to a million dollar company, you want to be CEO, get off the truck. Like you need to start looking in the mirror and seeing yourself as that person. And like, is that a phrase that, you know, a seven figure business owner would say, it's just like, it's yeah. very, very powerful to think about. Belief in oneself, man. I mean, you've got to believe in it. No one believed in this product, but me. Wow. And you slowly get believers along the way. And it's like the same thing with my painting business. It's like, the looks I were getting from some of the people that uh, I left my job from, like you're starting a painting business, like, and it created a little bit of doubt. So I love the inspiration. I'll sit here and motivate everyone yeah. and say, listen, you can do it. If you have a goal and you have a mentor uh, like David here, if he's one of your mentors, I mean, you're listening to this, you clearly want to grow. It's just a matter of believing it in yourself. And I, I'll kind of go off on a small tangent here. Like when it comes to decisions, right. You know, decisions make or break your result, your outcome in your business. And I think like when we reverse engineer a decision, we find that some of us fall short of completing the circle. And let me explain. So when we have a decision, one thing that I focus on is, okay, what is the outcome, right? What are we expecting if the decision works out in good favor? So I'll kind of reverse engineer my decision to start a business. The outcome was more freedom, more time, and I can help my father, right? So there were three really strong outcomes uh, and in that, in a sense of helping my father, he would have a happier lot in life, right? So the outcomes were strong. So that was a good thing. So that helped me build some confidence. Then you got to have some faith, like in any decision, like even if you decide to jump into drip jobs, that's a decision. The outcome would be more time, more freedom, you know, more clarity in your business, more organization, right? So the confidence is there. Now what's the faith? The faith is if I invest in this, right, I'm going to get that return. And that's, that's, what David's saying is like that belief in yourself and speaking it and saying, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try it. And that's, that's it. But really what happens is, is that there's this period between that excitement, right. Of a decision of starting the business. And then there's this gap, dude, right. This gap of like, okay, that's when the dust starts settling and the excitement fades away. And it's like, what I've learned, David is massive action. man. Yeah. You got to take that action. Right. But how do we do that? And I mentioned this earlier. I said, one of the most important things to me, David, absolutely is, is this going to benefit someone other than myself? Because the strongest why, which is the reason why you're doing something is the benefit of another person. There's no greater why in any endeavor. Okay. Now, some people have the why of a bigger house, a bigger car, all that stuff is dead. But if you're benefiting someone else's life, that's a strong why. And for me, when I started my business, the benefit of my sister, and my father getting out of their poverty right? I mean, electric being shut off and all these crazy variables. I mean, that catapulted me to make a decision to succeed and to, to quit my business. So when we, when we, when we focus on our decision-making, we can't be afraid of the end result. The end result could be that we're either going to fail or we're going to succeed. It's a 50% chance. Don't think about that until after you make the, the action step and utilize the hedge of a why to help you do that. Now, the thing about it is David, if we go through that and we fail, which everyone has different, you know, everyone has a different idea of what failure really means, David. Mm -hmm. But if we quote unquote fail, you don't stop there, right? And I think a lot of people just stop there, man, or they think that's the end before making a decision, which stops them from making a decision. What I learned is failure you learn from, which you can ref reflect and refine, but success in another sense is reflect and repeat. Okay. That's the cool thing, right? So in any case, we're never stopping. 
and that's kind of the momentum that I, that I, that I try to display in any of my, in any of my calls or anything like that is we're never stopping. So you get better at this decision-making process as you continue as a, as a leader in business. And as you grow and what David was saying about speaking it into existence, I mean, you have got to understand the concept of making a decision and the, and the steps to get to that point. And then don't stop at quote unquote failure, just refine what you learned and do it again. It's oh. that simple. So, you know, I had to get a little motivational there, man. It just means so much to me. I love it, man. As we get to wrapping up, like, I want to hear just from you. Um, why do you see the people you work with? Why do companies fail? Like I'm talking small businesses, yeah. generally sub million dollar revenue. What, what are you seeing there, man? Cause you Dude. kind of were touching at it there, but what, what's like yeah. a common thing or two? Like this is why. Yeah. hundred percent. It's the, it's the, it's that gap that I just described to you. It's this gap between I'm excited. I see the value. I see the outcome. Okay. But for some reason, the, the reason isn't strong enough. There's something in there between the time that they get excited about it and the time they take action. Right. So I'm going to just get a little psychological. Yeah. Listen, listen, some people listening to this said to themselves, man, I would love a software like that. Right. As they were hearing us talk about it, guaranteed, because I would have done the same thing. I say, that man, that sounds really good. I can see myself saving time. Tanner, that story about the Disney world. I mean, I'm calling my customers and it's frustrating. And I, okay, they thought about it. They see the outcome, they see the benefit and all that. And then dust settles, right? They think about the cost, what it's going to cost. That's all they focus on. Man, 147. I don't know if I can add that to my recurring, my, my recurring bills every month, right? They thought about the cost and then the confidence level at first, when they first had the epiphany was as high as it could ever have been, right? That's where you need to take the action and not think about the cost. So in other words, the failing business owners, David, they count the cost yeah. way too, way too much. They spend way too, too much time counting the cost. It comes down to one question, the successful business owners in business. They ask this question, what's the value? Yeah. Boom. The failing business owners ask this question, what's the cost? That is as simple as it gets. And if you train yourself to ask, what's the cost? What's the cost? What's the cost? What's the cost? When opportunity comes up, that's your go-to. But when you train yourself to ask, what's the value? What's the value? What's the value? What's the value? When opportunity comes up, you take it. And guess what? You hit another, you hit another level. So for me, man, that's, that's the difference is the question right there. Man, I'm fired up. You know, it's, it's, it's exactly what you said. It's not a cost. We talk about what's the investment, right? Right. What can I actually stand to gain from this? And I think when you figure that out and stop saying what Tanner's saying, what's the cost? And you start saying, what's the value here? What's the ROI? What's my investment? Uh, what return can I get on my investment? That's how a, a savvy business owner would reframe that question. Very sure. And let me make one more point on this. And, and, and just to, to wrap this together as business owners, don't we, every time we go to an estimate, try to get customers to believe in the value of which they're getting in relation to the price. So if you're not living that, how can you sell that? Yeah. So anytime an opportunity comes up, go through that decision model, go through it, identify what the value is first rather than the cost. Yeah. And if you do that, by default, you're going to use better software. You're going to invest in coaching. You're going to invest in mentorship. You're going to invest in opportunities because you're looking at the value. I'm sure you're listening to this podcast. Some of you might be big fans of David and you haven't pressed on to sign up for his coaching services. I don't know, David, do you have, is every one of your podcast listeners a, uh, a client? Not quite, man. We got work. Not quite yet. So listen, some of you listen, ready? 
and this wasn't scripted. David didn't ask me to do this, but it's the same thing, right? Some of you have been listening to all of his episodes and said to yourself, I should probably give David a call or send him an email. And then you probably thought, man, he'd probably help me unlock this certain area in my business. He'd probably help me get to another level. I've heard his testimonials. I see him on Facebook, see him on LinkedIn. You're very heavy on LinkedIn. I got to talk to you about that, dude. You really work LinkedIn. Very good. But for some reason, you haven't pulled the trigger. Okay. There's something there. And it's like, you just want to get in the habit of stop listening to the cost and start asking yourself, what is the value? Because here's the thing. If you hire David, he now has responsibility. He has a very strong responsibility to you. Same way I do if you sign up for drip jobs. Our goal as leaders is to give you more value in return for the dollar that you give us. That is the goal. And if we operate our business in any other way, we will fail. So you know that there's a hedge. All you got to do is start. We'll take care of the rest. And that's the model that I believe David believes in. I believe in and many other successful individuals that sell and want to build value in their, in their life uh, for other contractors. Uh, you know, that's, that's the model they believe in. I love it, Tanner. Well, tell us, man, someone's listening. They want to take action on this. Uh, do you guys do some kind of a trial or just like put the ball in the tee here for the listener? That's like, I want to check out the software. Here's the thing, man. 14 days is free. Okay. And what's also cool is that we have a dedicated customer success team. Literally, we want to give you a free setup, onboarding and training. You know, we don't want you to do this on your own. Okay. We know the software because we use it every single day and we're still learning it. I mean, we still have things that, you know, we're teaching and coaching and it's like, don't try to learn it on your own. You're not on an island. Okay. We're here to help you. So sign up for the free uh, trial. And then not only that, we'll give you a free onboarding and setup session. That's on our dollar. You could literally cancel during the trial and we missed out on, uh, on revenue, but that's how confident we are in this, uh, in this software. We'll train you for free. So just head to dripjobs.com free trial. And I'm actually going to give David a special link. Um, so he yes. gets credit um, and, and he'll put it in, hopefully we'll put it in the description. So please click his link. So David gets some credit. Let's do that, man. And then where can people uh, track more on you? What you got going on is Instagram usually the best place or how, how can people? Yeah. Instagram is great. Thing? Find me on Instagram. Um, I've been really trying to get good at doing content. So, you know, don't scroll all the way back. I, I was a beginner. Don't go all the way back three years. Uh, but, uh, you know, we try to, I try, try to put out some good content, just some of the, a lot of the stuff that I'm talking to you guys about now. Um, so you can find me at, at contractor coach. Um, yeah. So that's, that's pretty much it. Perfect. Well, my man, thank you, uh, Tanner for coming on, dropping some gold nuggets and we'll thank get you, you man. Uh, all wired up in the show notes. And those of you listening, uh, once you get to your destination, pull your car over and scroll up and hit these links. And, and today was all about taking action, man. So I think, appreciate the, uh, the pump up to everyone here. Yeah. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you want to get even more value from David, then book your free coaching call at homeservicebusinesscoach.com.